Amen. Thank you so much for that. All right, let's take our Bibles to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 17. Uh, while you're turning there, I do want to announce also another announcement. We are going to be having a business meeting next Sunday morning after the service, okay? Next Sunday morning after the service, just kind of uh, update you on some things for this year um, and different things like that. So uh, we will have a business meeting next Sunday morning after the morning service. Uh, so I encourage you all to be in your place uh, for that, okay? Matthew chapter number 17, we'll invite you to stand with me out of respect for the Word of God if you're physically able to. Uh, if you're not, that's perfectly fine. Just turn in your uh, Bibles to Matthew chapter number 17. But if you are physically able to, please, out of respect for the Word of God, if we could stand together as we read one verse, verse number 20, our theme verse for the year. Matthew 17 and verse number 20 says, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, he shall say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Our theme this year, Faith That Moves Mountains. We've been talking about faith on Sunday mornings, and last week we spoke on an attitude of faith, and we talked about Joseph, and Joseph's life, and how all that Joseph went through, he had that attitude of faith. And I want to preach to you this morning out of a, another uh, character in Scripture, out of the book of Genesis, and we're going to talk about Jacob this morning. Uh, but I want to always kind of focus on that verse, that our theme verse this year that I want to read to you uh, on almost every Sunday morning. That way you can ingrain it in your mind and in your heart that uh, you understand that faith can do the impossible. Faith can do the impossible. And uh, I want to reach the impossible things this year for the Lord. And we can do that if we'll just have faith. So I'm going to preach to you this morning about the life of Jacob, and we're going to preach on the subject of believing faith, believing faith, having a belief in what God can do. And uh, we'll talk about those things here this morning. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your house today. Thank you for all those that are here. Thank you for our visitors being with us. Uh, Lord, thank you for our faithful folks. Lord, be with those that could not be here due to injury or sickness uh, or whatever it may be, maybe those that just chose not to come. Uh, Lord, I pray that you will um, just have your will and way uh, in all of that. Lord, I pray that you will uh, convict hearts today. If there's any that are here that do not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray they'll trust you today. If there's some making excuses for why they won't completely surrender uh, to you, I pray that you'll remove those excuses from their hearts and minds today. And Lord, we'll give you the praise and the honor and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. In Matthew 17, our theme verse for the year talks about that faith that moves mountains. And this has been on my heart since the ending part of last year. You know, our theme last year was to know God and to make Him known. And if you don't have enough faith in God, you're not going to know who God is anyway. And so we got to have faith in who God is and what God can do and all of those things. And the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so we need to have faith. We are Faith Baptist Church, but that name faith is used flippantly in our lives today. And uh, we need to know what real faith is all about, what real faith produces. And uh, so I want to talk to you about a, a subject today that I believe will be a help and a blessing to you. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter number 32, Genesis chapter number 32. And we're going to read several verses, and then I'm going to kind of give you the history of it, just uh, to recap a little bit of what's going on and uh, talk about some things uh, here today. And uh, we'll mention Isaac a little bit this morning as well, but we're going to talk about some of that stuff 
next week is going to be on the life of Isaac. We talked about Joseph last week, and then we talk, we're going to speak on Jacob this week and just do a, a touch and go, as you would say, in a, uh, as an airplane would touch the runway and then go back off again. We're going to do that on the life of Isaac here toward the end, building up to next week. But I want to speak to you out of Genesis 32, and we're going to turn our Bibles to a lot of different passages of Scripture this morning just to try to be a help and a blessing to you. Look at Genesis 32 uh, and verse number 23 uh, starts there and he says and he took them and sent them over to the brook and sent them over that he had and Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day and when he saw that he prevailed not against him he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint and he wrestled as he wrestled with him and he says let me go for the day breaketh and he said I will not let thee go except thou bless me and he said unto him what is thy name and he said Jacob and he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. As I'm thinking about this time in Jacob's life, if you know Jacob, Jacob was a deceiver. Jacob was one that was a liar. He told many lies. If you go back in history, remember his father, uh, Isaac, who was older in his life, uh, was, uh, had dimmed eyes, meaning he couldn't see very well. Uh, he, he couldn't really make out who people were. But he saw his oldest son Esau, and he told Esau that he was uh, craving some meat, and he wanted some venison. And he said, go out and kill me some venison that I may eat. And then he's going to give the blessing of the birthright to Esau, his firstborn, his eldest son. And while Esau was away, Jacob and his mother came up with this idea, or his mother came up with an idea to talk to him because she wanted Jacob to be blessed and not Esau to be blessed. And so they come up with this idea that they were going to kill a uh, a lamb, put the skins on his arms where he was hairy because Esau was a hairy man and uh, Jacob was not. And they were going to do that. And then she was going to prepare the meat the way that uh, Isaac liked it. And he was going to bring it in and that he could, uh, even though he was, uh, his eyes were dim, he was going to bless Isaac instead of or he was going to bless Jacob instead of Esau and so here their uh their conniving plan comes together and uh he goes in to his father and he tells his father that he's brought him the meat and uh Isaac uh was having some questions about it because it happened so quickly and he says to him he says art thou Esau my firstborn how is it that you got this so quickly and he said the Lord brought it to me you know he's using the spiritual statements as he's trying to deceive his father, and he uh, comes to him and he says, I'm Esau, your firstborn. And he, then he questioned him. He said, uh, your voice is that of Jacob. He said, so he comes closer and he touches his arms and he feels the hair on his arms. And he realized, well, that couldn't be Jacob because Jacob's not hairy. Uh, uh, that would be Esau. So he gives the blessing to Jacob. And now Jacob has to run for his life from his brother Esau because he's mad that he had stolen this blessing from his father. And he goes to his uncle Laban's house. And while he's there, you know, he falls in love with a young lady, uh, Rachel. And uh, as he works, he, he, he... makes a deal out with his uncle that if he works for seven years that he can get Rachel and he begins to work and after seven years uh, the wedding day comes and he gets Leah not Rachel his uncle deceives him 
And then he works another seven years. Finally, he gets Rachel and uh, things are starting to work out for his family and all. And he's beginning to come back now to his homeland. And we're here in uh, chapter 32. He's making his way back to where he grew up, where he came from, where he had run for so long. And now he's got a family of his own. And he's now in this area where he's wrestling with the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord's trying to do some things in Jacob's life and teach him that, listen, you just need to believe in me and quit worrying about what you want. And oftentimes we get so focused on the things we want that we don't have enough belief in the things that God wants to do for you and I. And he's coming through and he's wrestling in this area with the angel of the Lord. And uh, he says, the day's coming, the day is breaking. He said, let me go. And Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he says to him, he asked him a question. He says, what is thy name? And I know I've touched on this before, but that's very significant in Scripture because his earthly father, Isaac, had asked him who he was several times. And several times when he was asked who he was, he lied about who he was. He said, I'm Esau, I'm Esau. But now the angel of the Lord who knew who Jacob was has given Jacob an opportunity just to get real with who he is and what he's all about. And the angel of the Lord says to him, he says, what is thy name? And he says, I'm Jacob. And because he finally admitted who he was, he was able to find favor with the angel of the Lord. And he said, no more, you're going to be called Jacob, which is deceiver. But now you're going to be called Israel and you'll be a prince with God. And I begin to think about that. How could somebody, Jacob's life here in Genesis 32, it's an, this occasion when he struggled with the angel of the Lord. And uh, in all of this, is, it's the theme of this chapter is securing God's power on your life. And if you're going to secure God's power in your life, you've got to just put your belief in who Jesus is and who God really is. Listen, if you're in this room today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me encourage you to trust Him as your Savior today. You say, why is that, preacher? Because the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us are sinners. Every one of us falls short of what's expected to get to heaven. The Bible said the wages of sin is death. Now that's a very uh, powerful statement because a wage is a return for an investment. A wage is when you work a job, there's a return for the time that you put into that job. That is a wage. It's a return for what you have put in, you get back out of it. And the Bible said the wages of sin or that return of sin is death. And it's not just physical death, but it's a spiritual death, separation from God in a place called hell forever. That's what sin earns. And the Bible says that because of that, we are doomed and destined for hell. It said, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So listen, you got to come to the realization first off that you're a sinner. We got to know that. The Bible said, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one, the Bible says. Every one of us are sinners. We've all done something wrong at one time or another. We've all disobeyed. We've all thought something we shouldn't think. We've all done something to show us that we are sinners. And the Bible is very clear on that, that all of us are sinners deserving of hell because that's what sin deserves. 
But God in His love for us, if you read John 3.16, which I believe is one of the most famous verses in all of the Bible, says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm glad that it's a whosoever will gospel. I'm glad I can stand up here today redeemed and justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, even though I was a sinner deserving of hell, that because of what Jesus Christ did for me and the blood that He shed for me on the cross, and He was buried and rose again and offers life to all those who will freely receive it I can stand up here today a new creature in Christ Jesus because of what Jesus did for me but you know what it took it took belief in the finished work of Jesus Christ the faith in that believing faith you've got to have a believing faith for salvation You've got to have that. The Bible says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There's a lot of people, I believe, dying and going to hell today who have said some empty words that had no belief behind it. They've said some words to the Lord, but they didn't believe in their heart that they were a sinner deserving of hell. They didn't call upon the Lord in belief in their heart that God sent His only begotten Son, Jesus, to die and that Jesus was the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. They didn't believe in those things. They just prayed that, Lord, please forgive me of this. But they didn't have any belief to know that they were a sinner deserving of hell and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Listen, if that's you today, you can believe Jesus You can believe on him. He said, if you'll believe on him, you shall be saved. You shall be saved. That's his promise. That's his promise. What a blessing it is to know that we can believe on that. But securing God's power in his life, that's what he wanted. He wanted the blessing of God upon his life. But if he was going to get the blessing of God upon his life, he couldn't lie to God. He couldn't deceive God. God already knew who Jacob was. And my friend today, God knows who you are. God knows what you're made of. And God, the Holy Spirit of God, through the Word of God, will act as that mirror as we talked about this morning and being rooted in Christ's Word in Sunday school is how when you look at that, the pages of the Word of God, it shows us who we are in and of our own self and that we've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There are three lessons about securing God's power that I want to talk to you about this through this passage of Scripture and having a believing faith. See, he understood that the one, Jacob understood the one he was wrestling with was the only one that could really bless him. The only one that could really truly forgive him. The, the one that could really take his lies and his deceit and make something new out of who he was. But there's a lot of things that hinder us from believing on the Lord. I believe the first thing that we do is we think our past limits us. A lot of people think our past limits us. Well, I'm glad to tell you today that you're not limited by your past. See, Jacob was a trickster. Jacob was a liar. Jacob was a deceiver. Jacob stole the birthright from his brother. He got the blessing. He stole the blessing uh, of his dad. All these different things because he lied and he was deceitful and all these things. And if God uh, could have been just and said, listen, you don't deserve my blessing." God could have looked at Jacob and said, listen, because of your past, you don't deserve the blessings of God. And listen, if that's the case, none of us would be deserving of God's blessing here today. Because we're all sinners. But you cannot believe the lie that Satan tries to tell you is that your past will hinder you from going on for God. Listen, I don't care where you come from. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how far you think you've been away from God. One drop of God's blood can change everything in your life around. 
And if you're saved by the grace of Almighty God, I don't care how far away you've gotten from Him, His hand is not shortened that He will not bring you back to Him. He said He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But He also says, He that cometh to me, I'll in no wise cast him out. He says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, there's a lot of people who think they're limited by their past. But in the eyes, in the mind, in the eyes of God, we're not limited by our past. It's all about limited by our lack of faith. That's why we're limited. We're not limited because God cannot do it. We're, limit, we're not limited because of our past. We're not limited because of this. We're limited because we won't believe that God will bring us back to restoration. And God wants to restore us. I don't care where you've come from. You're not limited by your past. Jacob was a crook. He stole things. He was one of the most despicable characters that you read about. Why? Because he had the right upbringing. The right mindset, but he, you know what? The fact is, he just chose to be a liar. But now he wrestled with God. And you know what took place in Jacob's life that needs to take place in our life is forget about your past and believe on the one that's trying to tell you that, listen, I can bless you, I can help you. And that's what Jacob said. He said, listen, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And he said to him, what is thy name? Because he wanted Jacob just to get real about who he was. And listen, quit making excuses about why you're not serving the Lord today. Let's quit making excuses on why I can't be saved. Well, God could never love me. No, He does love you. He's not willing that any should perish. He said, for God so loved the world. Everybody. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. See, God wants to save you in this room today if you're not saved. That's why He came. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. But once you are saved, guess what He wants? He wants fellowship with you. But Satan will come up to you and he'll say, Brother Aaron, your past is too bad for God to love you. He'll call us all out by name and that old accuser will begin to accuse us and say, well, listen, your past, you have all this. Maybe you've been in jail before or maybe you've had this problem or maybe you've had that problem. You've had this. Listen, God can never love you because you're too wicked of a sinner. Listen, no, God is in the restoration business. He restores lives and uh, turns people around. And even though they've been away from God, if they had come into Him, He said, I'll in no wise cast you out. Guess what? He'll embrace us and He'll make us something new in Christ. You just got to believe and have faith that God will do it. You got to come to Him. I want to look at some of these verses. Look at Philippians chapter number 3. You say, preacher, I think that's just your words. That's not God's words. Let's see what the Bible has to say. Philippians chapter number 3. Very important for us to go to the Word of God because I want you to see uh, the Word of God is what we preach in this place. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 13. He says, But I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, look what it says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. The Apostle Paul, most of you know about him, don't you? A murderer. One who went and persecuted the church of God, had orders from the governor to go and to persecute the church. He had orders to go and to bind them and to put them in jail and to mock them and to criticize them and to do all of these things. And now he's on the road to Damascus and he has a, an encounter with Jesus. And his life gets changed around. And he takes a murderer and makes him into a martyr for Christ. 
He takes someone who was a murderer and one that was just cruel to God's church and now he, he, he makes him a new creature in Christ Jesus and Paul who was the author of most of the New Testament who God used to pen most of the New Testament in my opinion one of the greatest Christians in all of the Bible as we look at it. God made him new. Why? Because God's in the restoring business. He can't worry about his past. He even said, listen, as much as I did against God, I'm going to do more for God. Why? Because God's in that forgiving restoration business. Don't believe the lie that Satan wants to tell you that God will never use you because of your past. See, Jacob uh, was limited by his past in his own mind. For 14 years, he was away from his family on the run. He was deceived by his uncle as well. Now his Got all his family and he's heading back. He wants to pull away from his uncle's house and begin to have his own uh, life there and do all these own things. And now he's heading back to his homeland, but he's concerned about meeting his brother Esau. Because he knows he lied to Esau. He knows he deceived his brother. And listen, there's going to come times in our life where we're just going to be exposed with the truth about who we really are. But you know what? The Bible says, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. When the Holy Spirit of God brings truth into your life, you ought to rejoice. Why? Because it's the truth that sets us free. If we keep living in a lie, we're bound by depression. We're bound by guilt. We're bound by all of that stuff. But you know what? God is in the forgiving business today. And let me encourage you, if there's things in your life that you just say, there's no way I can go forward for God. There's no way that that I can do what God wants. There's no way I can have an impact for the Lord. I'm here to tell you today, you can impact people for Christ. Because God does things to show this. God uses unlikely and unorthodox people so that nobody gets the credit but God. Nobody gets the credit but God. I want you to look at another verse. Look at Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, verse 18 and verse 19. Look what it says. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You see what he said? God's saying, listen, I can make the impossible things happen. Don't worry about the past. Don't dwell on your past. Now listen, am I telling you that, oh, you're never going to have to reap what you sowed? I didn't say that. There's consequences for actions. But the fact is, we allow our past to keep us from moving forward for the Lord. And we can't allow our past to keep us from moving forward. You know, he said in that past, he said, forget those things. He said, because I'll make a new thing. He said, I'll make rivers in the desert. You know what? Rivers in the desert are very rare. What God's saying is, listen, I can make the impossible things happen if you'll just believe and have faith. If you'll just believe and have faith. I want you to look at another verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Very familiar verse of Scripture, verse 17 and 18. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And I'm glad the verse didn't stop there. He reminds us of what he's talking about here. Old things are passed away. 
Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. He said, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Listen, if you'll just by faith believe in, in Jesus Christ, listen, he can make new things happen. Forget about what has happened in the past. You can't change what you've done in the past, but we can change the future. We can change the future. You know what? We have a job to do, and that's to serve the Lord. But Jacob was a crook, and there's some lessons about securing God's power that I want you to know, first off, is you're not limited by your past. You're not limited by your past. But there's a change in his character. Before he was a thief, now the angel of the Lord said he was a prince. You see that change in character? Where did that change in character come from? It came from complete repentance and submission to God. He said, I'm Jacob. I'm Jacob. He admitted who he was. But you're not limited by your past. Secondly, is you can be victorious through prayer. You can be victorious through prayer. See, Jacob struggled with God as a picture of holding on to God in prayer. He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Listen, there's times we just need to go to God and not let God go until we get that answer. You say, what are you talking about? I'm not talking about praying your will and forcing your will upon God because you can't force your will upon God. You go and you pray the will of God and you don't let God go until God reveals that to you. You know what? Oftentimes we give up in prayer because it didn't happen like our fast food religion that we want. We live in a fast-paced society. Man, how many of us get angry? We go through the fast food restaurant. It takes them three minutes to give us our food. We get upset about that, don't we? We go through the drive-thru. Man, what's taking them so long? I've been in this line 45 seconds. I can't believe this is supposed to be a drive-thru. This is fast food. I don't call this fast food. This is slow food. But that's how we go to God. When we go to talk to God and we bring our petitions to the Lord, we want God to answer them right now, immediately. And that's a natural thing in all of us. But oftentimes what happens is we'll go to the Lord and we'll say, God, this is heavy upon my heart and I want you to do this for me, please, God. And we're praying God's will. And then all of a sudden we get up and we say, God, you didn't answer that. So now I'm going to be mad at God and I'm just going to go on with my life and say, God, does not love me? And the fact of the matter is you didn't hold on to God. You know what Jacob said? He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. You know what he was saying? Until you, until you help me with my problem, God, I'm not going to let you go. And you know what? I don't believe he was saying that once you help me with my problem, then I don't need you anymore. That's not what he was getting at. What he's getting at is, God, I'm not going to let you go until I know that we're, we're communing together. And the fact of the matter is, all, some of us need to change our prayer life a little bit. Some of us go to the Lord in prayer and we pray three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And this is how we pray, Lord, bless this food, amen. And then that's all we say, that's all we really ever talk to God until our world's turned upside down. And then we want to beg God. I mean, look at our nation. What happens usually in a wartime? What takes place is people hold, hold up signs to say, in God we trust. God bless our troops. God do this. And we ought to be praying for them. And we ought to be asking God to help. We ought to be asking God to help our nation. But we don't need to just call on God when we feel that God is not there. We need to call upon God every day of our life and just cling to Him and say, God, I'm not going to let you go today. I'm not going to let you go this morning until you give me direction and guidance on which direction I need to go. We need to be praying for our country. We need to be praying for our churches. We need to be praying for the people of our church. We have visitors today some of you may not know. Brother Mike Folk is with us today. Mike's running for governor of the state of West Virginia. You know what? We need to be praying for him. 
You know, we need to be praying that God gives that man wisdom as he runs through this race in life. I'm glad that he chose to come today. But the fact of the matter is, he's not going to do anything for this country unless he follows the Lord. Unless he follows God. He got, we got to cling to the Lord. You understand this? We got to go to the Lord in prayer. We got to allow God. Say, God, I'm not going to let you go until you give me direction and you give me guidance. Dads, let me ask you in your family. Do you ask God, God, give me direction for my family today? And you say, God, I'm not going to let you go this morning. I'm not going to get up off my knees in prayer. I'm not going to let you go, God, until you just show me what it is that you have for me to do. This year, as we have faith that moves mountains, you know what my prayer for Faith Baptist Church is? That we just cling to God. And we say, God, I'm not going to let you go until you give us direction. God, I'm not going to let you go until you give us the guidance. And and when we do let God go through that one prayer, we're not going to just push him off to the side. We're going to have him every day of our life. Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Jacob couldn't force his own will on God. And we can't force our will on God. But he could hold on until he received the blessing. He could hang on. You know what it said? Even his, the hollow of his thigh was put out of joint. Sometimes God's going to see how serious you are about it. Sometimes God's going to let us suffer some things that we're going to remember uh, this encounter that we had with God. And for the rest of Jacob's life, he's limping now. But you know what? He was no longer a deceiver. No longer a thief. No longer a liar. See, Paul had a thorn in the flesh, didn't he? He's, man, a champion for God. He was stoned outside of Lister. We talked about this in, uh, uh, in our series in Acts on Wednesday night. As he was stoned, left for dead outside of Lystra. They chased him out of Iconium because they wanted to stone him there. Then he gets stoned outside of Lystra, left for dead. Gets back up, goes in, goes to Derby, gets, uh, wins people to Christ there. Comes back to Lystra where he was just stoned and said, Hey, I need to talk to these people that got saved. I don't want them to be astray and by every wind of doctrine. He had a mission that he was on. But this same man that now is doing things for God had a thorn in his side, a thorn in his flesh that God said I'm not going to remove my grace is sufficient for you you know what Paul had to do he had to cling on to Christ he had to just cling on to him he had to say I'm not going to let you go God it doesn't matter if I'm in prison it doesn't matter if they're trying to stone me it doesn't matter what's happening I'm not going to let you go and he began to talk to the Lord in prayer and I began to think about what an example Jacob was in this passage there's times that the Holy Spirit's wrestling with us Man, we're wrestling with him about decisions that he wants us to make. We're wrestling him about where, where we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to serve and what area of ministry God wants us to be in. Because, by the way, it's not just the pastor and the full-time staff of the church that's supposed to be a full-time servant for God. That's a side note. Rabbit ran by and I'm going to shoot at it, okay? The fact of the matter is all of us need to be a faithful, full-time servant for God. If you're a child of God, it says that it's your reasonable service to serve Him. It's reasonable for Him to ask you that. But you can be victorious through prayer. See, when you pray, you understand that prayer gives you access to God's power. You know that prayer moves the heart of God towards us. And if we begin to pray, and the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know what? Our church needs our prayers. Our families need our prayers. Our country needs our prayers. Our president needs our prayers. The world needs our prayers. Why? That he'll send forth laborers into the harvest. Because contrary to what a lot of people think, it's not the White House that changes the country. It's God 
that changes the country. It's God. That's what our nation's founded on, godly principles. So where, where is God? Where's God at in our nation today? You know where he is? He's thrown on the backside. Nobody wants to have God. Why? Because when God comes, conviction comes. When God shows up, our sins are exposed. When God shows up, he shows us who we really are. And he says, what is thy name? But we want to be the deceiver. We want to be the one that says, oh, I'm, I'm good the way I am. We want to be the one that says, oh, listen, God, you know who I am. Like King Saul, I've, done, I've gone the way of the Lord. You know, I've done the things that God wanted me to do and gone the way the Lord sent me. The preacher said, really? What meaneth then the bleeding of the sheep in mine ear and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Remember when Saul was, King Saul was told to go utterly destroy the Amalekites? And he didn't do it. He did what he wanted to do, not what God wanted him to do. And now he was faced with a who art thou moment. He was faced with a what, what is thy name decision right there. But he chose not to do the right thing. And he lost the kingdom. Why? Because he didn't give himself to the Lord. See, we can get victory through prayer because as we begin to pray, it unlocks some things in heaven. When we really begin to pray fervently with a right heart, by the way, you can't go to God in prideful prayer and expect God to answer it. Because the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, which is sin, the Lord will not hear me. It says he will not hear me. So if you go to the, if you, you have a pride inside of your heart and you're not willing to get rid of your sin, and you go to God and you say, God, please help me with this, God, help me with this. The Bible says if we regard iniquity, we keep that iniquity in our hearts, and we go to God wanting God to do things for us, but we're not willing to submit to him and get rid of these things, this is basically what he does. It says he will not hear us. So you know what the Bible says? We need to get into the word of God that what cleanses us, the washing of the water of the word. We need to be in prayer asking God to forgive us of our sins. And he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I'm glad he didn't say, Brother Aaron, cleanse us from some of our unrighteousness. He said all, which takes you back to the first point that your past don't limit you. They don't limit you. Now, listen, there may be some things because of consequences of our sin that hinder us in certain areas. But you can't say that there's nothing I can do for God because your past can't limit you from serving the Lord. And, and you can get victory through prayer. But lastly, you've got to be persistent in the battle. You've got to be persistent in the battle. If you're going to get the power of God, you've got to be persistent in it. Jacob prevailed because he wouldn't let go. His thigh was out of joint, leaving him crippled, all these things. But he would not let him go. He was persistent. He was persistent. I want you to look at Colossians chapter 2 and verse 5. Colossians chapter 2. The word persistent, a synonym for the word persistent is steadfastness. To be steadfast. And in Colossians chapter 2, verse 5, it says this, For though I be steadfast, or though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. 
As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. See what it said? That steadfastness of your faith. The steadfastness of your faith. Look at 1 Peter chapter number 5. 1 Peter chapter number 5. Starting in verse number 6, actually let's jump to verse 5. 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourself unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We always stop there, but if you look at the grammatical way that this is written, that semicolon that's there means we need to continue on. Look what it says. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, After that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know what he said? Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He said this, whom resist steadfast. You know what he said? You got to be persistent in the things of God. Because Satan is on the war path to devour you. He wants to destroy you. Mom, dads, he wants to destroy your kids. How's he going to do it? Through you. He wants to destroy the church. How's he going to do it? Through me. We've got to be persistent and steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Acts 20, 24, one of my life verses, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which set before me to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Listen, we can't allow the, wind, the change of this world to deter us from doing what God wants us to do. When the apostle Paul was ending his life, he said this, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me but not for me only but to all those that are uh, long for his appearing see the fact of the matter is this we need to be steadfast we need to be pressing on for God no matter what the world wants to change no matter how much they try to say we can't talk about the things of God no matter how much they try to say this or say that we need to let God be true and every man a liar just be persistent in the things of God be going on for him 1 Corinthians 15. I want you to turn there quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Verse 58. Remember we talked about victory through prayer. Before we get and read verse 58, I want you to look at verse 56 down through the End of the chapter there. It says, The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's victory in prayer when we just let Jesus do some things in our life. It says this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, 
Because we have victory through Jesus Christ, look what it says, therefore. When you see the word therefore, you go back and look at what it's there for. Okay? Therefore, my beloved brethren, this isn't a request. This is a command. Be ye steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So why do we need to be persistent? Why do we need to be pressing on? Because there's somebody in Martinsburg, West Virginia that needs Jesus. There's somebody that we're going to come in contact with one day that's looking for that hope, looking for something that's going to fill that emptiness inside of them. And if we're not being persistent through the battle, if we're not being steadfast and unmovable, and we're just allowing every wind to change us, we may not be where we're supposed to be when we're supposed to be there. And that person may never hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or maybe it's that service that we decide to miss because we have too many more important things to do and that's the time that the holy spirit's got the exact answer for us we where 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 maybe he's going to call our young people to be missionaries or preachers or maybe he's going to uh, stir in somebody's heart the need to uh, work on a bus route and bring kids to church. Or stir in somebody's heart the need to get involved in the, the nursery ministry. Or just to be a, a faithful giver and give so that we can do more work for the cause of Christ. Where the Holy Spirit's going to stir in somebody's heart. When we miss those things and we choose not to come and we resist the Holy Spirit. Guess what? We miss out on what God has for us. And that also means that we lose some effect of what God has for us to do. See, when he says, let your light so shine before men, why? That others can look at us and glorify us? No. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So why are we a light? Because we're pointing people to the light. Where does our light come from? The righteousness of God, that light of the Holy Spirit of God that shines through us. That's what we need to be a light for. There's so many times that we're so distracted by all the things that the world has to offer. We're bombarded by everything that the world has that we lose sight of what's important and we're not persistent in the things of God. But he says to be steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Listen, I've resolved in my life that my life is not my own. Why? Because the Bible says it. It says I'm bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The day I received Jesus Christ as my Savior, Brother Scott, I transferred ownership to God. God bought me with a price. What was that price? His son, Jesus. See, oftentimes we say, man, the greatest gift you could ever get is Jesus. You know, the gift is eternal life. Jesus was the payment for the gift. The Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through who? Jesus Christ our Lord. See, Jesus came to be the payment for the gift. The gift is eternal life through salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know what? That gift doesn't just stop at salvation. When you get saved, guess what? Now you get to walk in Him. The Bible says you're a joint heir with Jesus. That means you're a child of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It said, so walk ye in him. Be persistent. Press on 
Go forward. Don't allow your past to stop you from going forward. Oh, yeah, there may be some hurdles that you got to get over. But listen, God can give you strength to get over those hurdles. And you just keep praying and asking God, God, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let my past stop me. I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to go forward. Listen, all because you believe. You believe that Jesus Christ can. You know why we don't want to step out by faith? Because we don't believe that God really can. We don't believe God really can. It saddens me that people will trust God to save them from hell, but they won't trust God to do the impossible things. You understand how impossible it is for you and I to work our way to heaven? The Bible says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy hath He saved us. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's impossible for you and I to go to heaven without Jesus. You don't believe me? John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. See, Jesus was that bridge that made the impossible possible. And when you come through Jesus, you have access to God. doesn't matter where you came from. He didn't put limitations on that. He said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. You know what? That means all sinners. All sinners can know God through Jesus Christ. But listen, if you've gotten wayward, maybe you're that prodigal that people talk about. You know, you're part of the family, but you're left to do your own thing. You know, he's waiting for you to come back. And what a picture he gives When that prodigal son returns home. You know what? The father was expecting something out of him, wasn't he? It doesn't say he was on the porch. And he saw him afar off. He saw his son coming that way. You know what that means? He was looking for the return of his child. You know what? God is longing for you to come back home. God's longing for you to come back home. But you know what? When the guy came to himself, you know what? He believed That he could go home and be with his father. And you know what? The fact of the matter is you just got to believe that God will do exactly what he says he'll do. He will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And Satan, that old accuser, will bring up your past and try to stop you from doing something. But you know what we need to say today? God, I'm not going to let you go. God, I'm not going to let go of it. God, I'm not going to let my past hinder me. I'm just going to believe that you can do the impossible and this year as we live by faith let's have that believing faith that just god can make the impossible possible he turned jacob's life around he turned paul's life around he turned so many people's lives around that we could go through we could be here all day all week talking about different people who got their life completely changed around all because of god you know what because we'd have to go through every person in this room if you're saved We have to go through every person that's ever been saved, how God turned their life around, made old things pass away, behold, all things become new. Because God is in the making the impossible possible business. He does that. Let me encourage you, trust Him today as your Savior. And if you are saved, let me encourage you this. Just believe that He can. Believe that He can. That He can change things. And don't allow your past circumstances to stop you. From going forward. Don't dwell on your past. 
See, Jacob could have just groveled in his past and said, listen, I'm not going to ask God for anything because he could never do this for me. You know what he said? God, I'm not going to let you go until you change my past. Until you forgive me of my past, I'm not going to let you go. Listen, go to God in prayer. There's victory in prayer. But we need to be persistent in the fight for the Lord. Just decide today. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Just decide. Lord, here am I. Use me. It's all a decision. Choose you this day whom you will serve. It's a choice. I can't make it for you. It's one you have to make for yourself. With our heads back.